What if the gods blessed you, but it wasn't a blessing you were expecting? Coming up next, right here on The Right Stuff. Welcome to The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J. Thank you so much for joining me. Today we're going to be talking to my returning guest co-host and contributor today, Josiah DeGraff. He is the author of the short story collection anthology called Visions of Grandeur and Other Stories. I so enjoyed this story collection because it all takes place in one world and each story builds on the other. But within this collection, there are so many wonderful truths that come out and just wham, bam, hit you in the face. But they are entertaining, they are thought-provoking, and most of all, highly enjoyable. Can't wait to tell you about it in just a few moments. As always, we want to thank our Patreon team for their support. We have been showcasing Christian authors worldwide for the past nine years, and as God gives us grace, we'll continue to do so. To find out how you can help out, simply go to patreon.com slash right. Stop and see what you can do. And as always, we covet your prayers. To stay up to date with PJC Media, simply go to pjcmedia.net, click on that pink follow button, and you'll never, ever have to miss a show. And so, without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest, Josiah. How you doing today? I am doing wonderful. So thrilled to be asked here to return and talk again with you uh, this time about my writing. So, yeah, I'm excited to be here again. And for those of you who need a refresher, Josiah was with us last year, 2022, as we talked about Story Embers, which is an organization that helps Christian writers write better stories through fiction. He obviously knows what he's talking about. When you pick up your copy of Visions of Grandeur, you are going to enjoy it. Just reintroduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, so I am both a storyteller and a writing teacher. Over at Story Embers is one of the main places where I teach other Christian writers uh, how they can write you know, honest stories that glorify God by depicting both the beauty and the brokenness of the world. And as an author, you know, my personal passion is to really inspire and empower readers to be able to face the brokenness of the world with confidence. And so my stories tend to grapple with different hard problems that we tend to face in our everyday lives, explore them in an epic fantasy setting, and in order to help us understand, you know, how can we better live life well as Christians and as human beings? I will note that if you're looking for my specific short story collection, it's actually only available on my website. So it's unfortunately not on Amazon, Barnes & Nobles, or any other places. Yeah, but it is on my website if you want to check it out there after this conversation. Well, I know that our listeners will, so go ahead and share your website with us. Yes, and it's just josiahdegraff.com. So that's J-O-S-I-A-H-D-E-G-R-A-A-F. So two A's, one F. My last name is a bit weird like that. <laughs> but just josiahdegraff.com is the best place to find it. It's a fine Dutch name, sir. No, but I'm excited to really showcase this collection of stories 
I was telling Josiah before we started recording that I really enjoyed how he used the vehicle of fiction to bring about spiritual truths. However, it wasn't preachy. It was as you read the story, all these things were just added into the narrative. When did you say this is going to happen? I think the story idea really came to me when I was in college. I wanted to explore what real heroism looks like. And ever since I was young, I always loved you know, the Greek myths with the Greek gods. You know, I enjoyed the Percy Jackson series when they came out as I was a teenager. But so the idea of exploring you know, something in that kind of polytheistic world appealed to me. You know, particularly since you know, if you look at the Greek myths, the Greek gods were not kind deities. They were actually pretty awful gods and very capricious and selfish. You know, they feel a lot like human beings albeit human beings who have enough power that you know, their worst vices and excesses uh, can just do some horrible things to other people. So as I was thinking about this story that I wanted to explore heroism with, you know, and also led to explore something you know, with some similarities to Greek mythology, you know, really one of the things that just you know, struck me is that you know, when human beings gain you know, superheroic powers, that really has the opportunity to just reveal both the best and the worst things about ourselves. Um, and so I want to explore, you know, write a world that explores, you know, the different things that power does to us and what it reveals about who we are and about what it really takes to, to live virtuously, the world that we live in. When we first open this book, what are we going to read first? Yeah, so the first short story in the collection is a story called Fractured Masks. And you know, the way that this world is set up is it's a world where, you know, these capricious gods have decided to give, you know, superheroic abilities to different human beings who catch their attention. You know, in different gods, depending on what they value, will reward humans for different things. In the particular protagonist of the first story, Grimwell you know, has this ability that he can summon this you know, plate of armor to cover his body whenever you want. So this armor he summons from the void so he can always be protected. And you know, he has discovered that you know, he is with a group of other God-blessed individuals in the city who are trying to you know, form this alliance for good, they've discovered that there is this murderer that is lurking around their city who also seems to have superheroic abilities. And so on the face of it, it's about him trying to catch this murderer and find a way to protect their city. But beneath the surface, it's also really an examination of himself and his own priorities and question, you know, does he as a character, does he want to be a heroic person, or does he want to be known by everyone else as a heroic person? And exploring some of the tensions that we can feel as human beings when we are more interested in being known as a virtuous person than in being able, willing to actually be a virtuous person ourselves. It's also a treatise about strength and protection. If you are blessed with the ability to protect like he was, because he has a protective armor, but if you notice the armor only protects him. And when he meets this woman, she she's writing to him saying, oh my gosh, something happened to my son. And he's looking down at her. He's like, okay, I can do this. And he can summon this, but it's all centered on him. And that brings to mind how the struggle with heroics, I'm not really huge on comic book movies and comic books, but I think about Peter Parker. He was struggling with being a hero, going to school, being the nephew to Aunt May and 
handling people. So you have these regular people in these extraordinary God positions that they really can't handle. Was that a deliberate thing that you want to bring out in this particular story of the collection? Yeah, so certainly that was something I tried to explore in the series is you know, what does the weight of these kinds of supernatural abilities, it was bring on someone. You know, I think in this story, it's, it doesn't take as much of a center stage, at least in how I wrote the story. That being said, one of the things that I love about stories is that they can often you know, have more meaning than an author realized uh, when they put it in it. I know both as we were talking earlier about the story, as you've been talking now, there have been different things that you've been pointing out. I'm like, huh, that really is in the text of the story. And I didn't intentionally think about, but it's so fascinating to me as a writer how stories can have a life beyond ourselves and can have these deeper meanings that we didn't even think about just because of how the writing process works. I love that about art. And when we create art, people can look at that art and get different things from it. It could be because of our own life experience coloring that person's art. It could be because we're always trying to find a deeper meaning behind someone else's expression of that artistic product that we create. So that's what I loved about this particular story. Another aspect I love about this story was the prologue. So what I'm going to do, dear listener, to kind of get you set into what's happening in Warshawn, I'm going to share with you the prologue. Seventy-three years ago, the land of Morshan was on the peak of a new golden age. Gunpowder had been discovered. New agricultural techniques had been mastered. Technology was at a high point. The kingdoms of the land were finally united, and the future could only be moving upward. Then the gods descended. Stop right there. I thought about that meme that's been going around on social media that says, and then add, and the dragons came. Right. <laughs> and the way you put that in this particular part of the prologue, you really let us know something is changing. So mankind is moving toward a goal and then the gods descend. And just that small phrase changes everything. Each god began offering noteworthy individuals a promise, serve one god above the others, and they will be blessed with powers beyond human reckoning. To some was offered power over body, to others power over mind, to others power over nature. Few who were offered these powers refused. Right there. What would you do if God gave you the ability to control a part of nature? What would you do if God gave you the ability to control the body? What would you do if you got that? And this is what these stories are showing is the human condition given power. And then you say here, and society fractured. So you have this thing. This is a technique, guys, by the way. So you have Josiah talking about what's going on here. And then he says, then the gods descended. And then you think, oh, if the gods descended, they gave you powers. Everything should be good, right? But no. And society fractured. It turns out the old saying, the more shan holds true. Power always reveals what a man truly is like, and the essence of man is not kind. Within a matter of months, the unified land have broken up into warring factions, each led by one of the God-blessed, trying to claim power for themselves. Within a matter of years, those factions had themselves split up into fiefdoms and sub-factions. Countless lies and technological advances destroyed in the bloody aftermath. Now, the once prosperous land is a shadow of its former self. God bless war, 
with each other the ruins of a past civilization of glory, while most peasants try to keep their heads low, serve a God bless who will protect them and mind their own business. The hope is not yet lost. There are still some who wish to use their powers for good. In the center of the shattered empire, a small group of God-blessed calling themselves the Heralds seek to reclaim the ancient ideals of chivalry and heroism for themselves. But the times are dark, and would-be heroes must face many enemies. Time will tell if this is a new beginning for Morshan or one last dying gasp. And that is the prologue to Visions of Grandeur and Other Stories, which is exclusively available on Josiah's website, which we'll give to you in the show notes. Josiah, I just love that. And usually I just try to read through, but there's so much going on in here. And it also goes to your ability as a storyteller using various techniques to really punctuate the story. I loved how you broke it up with just simple phrasing and words. So with Story Embers, authors who join that program, they're going to be having access to this type of technique. Usually you write it yourself, but here we read it. What do you think he does as an author? Yeah, I think one of the things that you brought up that I think is important for writers to consider is how can you not just write your overall story in a way that's subverting expectations, but also do that on a prose level. Is when I was doing that introduction, and I think you did obviously notice this yourself as a reader, there are many times when I'm reverting the audience's expectations, that we have the society moving to a golden age, and you hear that the gods are descending, and your initial thought is probably, oh, well, this is probably a good thing. And you read about them giving powers and think, oh, of course this is a good thing, and then you get the twist that what happens when people get powers? Well, suddenly society fractures. And you know, on the prose level, Whenever we're able to subvert a reader's expectations of what the next sentence is going to say, you catch them off guard. And I think that's something that readers really enjoy because suddenly they're like, oh, this story isn't going the direction I thought it was going. I wonder where it's going to go next. And so that was one of the things I was trying to do on the prose level in the introduction is just thinking about, you know, for an introduction that is introducing uh, uh, my audience to the world that I'm going to be writing about. You know, how can I subvert their expectations at a couple of points that makes them not only want to finish this introduction, but also want to go on to read the rest of the stories. Another aspect that you did, which I enjoyed, was saying God blessed and realizing instantly that it wasn't God blessed because you said God blessed war. We often know that no one likes war, but sometimes war is necessary to protect one's way of life, to protect one's freedom, so forth and so on. You start to realize God bless isn't quite what you thought it was. And this is because we instinctively have a knowledge that to be blessed is a positive thing, not a negative one. And then you have this chaos happening. So the reader who just reads this goes, okay, obviously something is wrong with these gods. And I was thinking about it from, let's say, a non-believer's point of view, because when they read this introduction, they're like, yep, religion always destroys human ingenuity. It always destroys human progress. But here, you're not talking about that. You're talking about humans having power because we were already going towards stuff, using the gifts that God gave us with technology, with agriculture, with having weaponry and things like that made you to explore. We were already going somewhere. 
but giving humans power makes that difference. So those are all the kind of things that was going through my head as I read the prologue. Yeah, no, there definitely was some intentional subverting that I was trying to do there just with the name God blessed and look at the ways that you know, we often use rhetoric to, to cover up things that are not great with good sounding language. You know, so of course, you know, when the gods are coming down and giving powers, they're going to use good language for it. They're going to call it, you know, you are being blessed by us and our powers, you know, just like, you know, in the real world, a lot of the time we use good language to describe whatever we're doing. But one of the things that goes on in the story that you know, we also ought to be doing as readers to be, or, and just as people in the world is to think about, well, when people call something good, is that just a label or is it actually good? Because sometimes we use rhetoric to cover up things that aren't really the blessings they were promised. And I love the way that stood out to you when you were noticing that just in the introduction. Now, we're going to talk about the second story in this collection. There are several, and it's a short book, only like less than 100 pages. So it's a short book, but each of these stories are very well written, and they really do build the world on Warshan and what's going on. So you definitely want to go ahead and get your copy of Visions of Grandeur and other stories on Josiah's website. Now, this next one is called To Whom the Future Belongs, and even that title resonated with me. We do have a vision of grandeur that we are in control of our lives. But with this story, you find out that the grandeur is only a vision, and visions do not have reality. Because in reality, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so in To Whom the Future Belongs, we have an older lady, rather, named Serena. What do we find out about Serena in this story? Yeah, well, the story opens with Serena having received a a disturbing vision. Uh, yeah, Serena's been given a blessing from the gods in order to see the future. And for years, she's been seeing this future that you know, her son, who is on the cusp of adulthood, is going to marry this local village girl. You know, they're going to have a bunch of kids. You know, Serena's going to be a grandma. You know, she's been, been living in light of this, you know, this wonderful series of visions uh, that she's been given. And then one night, she has a very different vision. Uh, she has a vision that day there's going to be this warlord that's going to attack their village, and her son is going to save the village, but he's going to die in the process. And so suddenly Serena realizes that you know the visions she's been receiving from the gods, they don't always come to pass. And she has to decide for herself, am I going to choose to tell my son what I saw and save him from this fate, you know, when doing so will doom the rest of the village that he would have otherwise saved? And it's really about her grappling with that. And you know, as the, the short story tells to just grappling with, you know, who does the future belong to it? And, and what do I do uh, with this, this future that is not at all uh, what I thought I'd be getting? One of the interesting aspects is you really hit it on the nail about God's sovereignty. Now, what was it the service done to Serena was giving her the ability to see the future. And she thought this future was clad in stone. And then all of a sudden she discovers the future visions she were given were not clad in stone. We often talk about God's sovereignty, but do we really accept God's sovereignty? And that's something Serena grapples with as well. What are some thoughts you think the reader should pick up on as they read this particular story? Yeah, well, there's certainly a variety of layers here, partially because of the fact that you know, Serena received you know, this blessing from one God and then later realized that all these gods are capricious 
um, and end up worshiping another god uh, called Adelson, that you realize isn't like uh, the rest of those 12 gods. He's not capricious. He's good. But one of the things she's grappling with in this story is that it's easy for her to say that Adelson is good, and it's hard when periods of suffering and pain come upon us to still be able to, to confess and believe the goodness of you know, the God that we worship. And so a lot of this story is, is really about Serena grappling with the sovereignty of God. And you know, it goes back to the classic problem of evil. If, you know, how can God be both good and in control? And without spoiling or revealing you know, where Serena ends up going, that's certainly one of the questions that I wanted not only her to grapple with in the story, but hopefully gives a chance for readers to grapple with as well in a helpful way. I really was upset when I thought about this particular story because it does tear at the heartstrings, but it was an eye-opener into what I will call angelic sin, if we're going to extrapolate from the story, talk about spiritual concepts real quickly. The angelic sin, in my opinion, was wanting to be like God, wanting to have worship. Lucifer said, I'm going to be like the Most High, and God said, you're not. And I see that if I can use the term lightly, as angelic sin. In the story, it made me a little upset with that particular God because she gave this woman these visions without not understanding consequences of that, thus showing the limitedness of these spiritual beings. Anyone who's a sanitizer will understand what I mean by that. And understanding that these limited beings don't know the whole story either that they were also created. Yes, they were created differently and have different abilities, but that is the diversity of God's power and of God's ability to give us creative power. The angel's ability was to be able to serve in a capacity that we can't quite understand, to have immortal life and to serve. Because when we get to heaven, we're going to be serving God and we're going to be worshiping and doing all sorts of interesting things. But God gave us the unique ability to create but the angels get this unique ability to worship and serve in a capacity where they don't affected by things like sinful nature and stuff like that. So it gets really, really deep. And I want to stop there, but it gets really deep. And that's why these stories are going to help you expand your thought processes about how come God doesn't do this or why do we deal with that? And it's all in the fantasy realm. You're going to enjoy the story if you don't see any of these things that I see. I tend to see things beyond the surface because I'm an author, and I want to appreciate the author's story and their ability to write and bring forth a message. So in a few moments that we have left, Josiah, first of all, I want to thank you so much for being with me on the show today. Really sincerely enjoyed having you. And we already got your website, but what else are you working on right now? Yeah, so I'm working on a couple of projects. One of the things I do eventually want to do in the world of Morshan is to be able to write a longer novel series that you know, is able to dig even deeper into these characters and uh, fully flesh out some of the plot lines that are hinted at in this short story collection. But I also have a, a couple other books that I'm working on that aren't related to the world of Morshan, but are other epic fantasy novels that are also exploring you know, big questions and thinking about what does virtue look like in action in the context of an entertaining fantasy read. So I've got a lot of different fiction projects in the pipeline. I don't want to say too much about them until you know, I have uh, better publication plans for those. But certainly, you know, I hope for this short story collection to be the first of many 
different works that I write and publish. And Josiah, thank you once again for being with us on the show today. As I said, really enjoyed having you. If you want to know how to write like a pro, go to storyembers.org. Yep, you got it. Storyembers.org. You can sign up for some of the classes they have there. They have articles and blogs and a podcast that you can listen to to help you become a better author and a better writer. Go ahead and encourage our aspiring authors out there whom God has given the gift to write to pick up the pen and do so. Yeah, so I would say as a final word of encouragement for authors, you know, one of the things that I always think about when I think about what I would want to say to authors in general is to not forget the importance of faithfulness. You know, I think often as writers, it's easy to be thinking about the next big thing uh, we want to happen in our life. And I think in terms of what God calls us to do, you know, God hasn't given the task or the obligation that we need to become the most famous author ever or impact the most readers or do any other tangible accomplishment like that. What God calls us to do is to be faithful in exercising the gift that he's given us. And so my encouragement to writers would just be to keep doing what you're doing, keep working on honing your craft so that you can be faithful as best you can with the gifts that God has given you, if you are being faithful in your service to God and in your exercise of your gifts, God doesn't allow our faithfulness to go to waste. Amen. What wonderful words of encouragement, Josiah. Thank you so much for being with me today. And dear listener, I hope you enjoyed this episode of Right Stuff. I want you to go ahead and sign up on Josiah's website and go ahead and get your copy of Vicious, the Grandeur, and Other Stories. You are going to love it. And then you can stay up to date with what he's doing. And if you are a writer and you want to go into this new year learning how to write better, sign up at storyembers.org. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of The Right Stuff. I'm the Queen Parker J, and you have a wonderful, absolutely glorious, blessed day.